louder. Camera Exploitation, your guide to exploitive cinema. This is the pod boss, TJ Bowser, and joining me as always is my doppelganger, Kanga Banger from down under, Mr. Brody Kane. Hello there. And the man slicker than come on a gold tooth, Mr. Slickneck. Good morning, beautiful people. Today we have a doozy of an episode, but first, you know what time it is. It's time for your slice of life. Brody, how was your week? It wasn't too bad at fucking all. Just actually trying to think what else I got up to other than work. Um, Actually, I pre-ordered The Incredible Melting Man and The Corn Shucker from Vincent. I uh, went and watched Jordan Peele's Nope this week. Yeah, nah, it's a big fat nope from me. Did not really enjoy it at all. There was actually probably one scene in the whole film that I was actually like, if they had stuck with this throughout the whole entire movie, would have been a fucking great film, but no. Oh. Yeah, it's, yeah. I just did not enjoy it, really, to be honest. I mean, some of the shots in it look great, but yeah, that's that's a whole nother story. Um, uh, oh, actually, I watched a couple of John Woo films leading up to this film, and that would be the classics of Face Off and Broken Arrow. Mm, yeah. Got a little bit of a Travolta session there with the old John Woo, so that was um, that was actually really good to go back and suss his uh, previous work out there. But other than that, nothing really much else is happening in my neck of the woods. Uh, what about you, Slim? Nick? Well, this week in particular uh, was not too terribly busy. Um, had a birthday last weekend. Uh, pretty much took that whole weekend up. And then, uh, well, I-, I guess it wasn't particularly this week, but at least since the last episode, <laughs> uh, <laughs> went on a little trip. You uh, you made your way over to Pittsburgh, huh? Made it out TJ's way. Uh, saw saw the other half of the country that we didn't see last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, did a little, just a quick little four thousand mile jaunt uh, <laughs> 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 over the course of ten days. Saw a lot of a lot of stuff. Um, Maine might be the most beautiful place I've ever seen, uh, barring Utah. Um, New York was somehow not as congested as I thought it would be, and we drove through manhattan at like five in the afternoon which i don't know how we ever made it (laughs) to our airbnb uh but yeah um i mean honestly that trip was was absolutely fantastic it was great to see tj uh sample some of what pittsburgh has to offer it was great everyone had a fantastic time um and then headed back out this way just in time for me to have one boring week of work followed by my birthday followed by another boring week of work and now we're here so tj what have you been up to Well, as I say sometimes, podcast here, podcast there, podcast everywhere, but did a lot of progress on the comic book. It is really winding down here to the last couple of pages. That will be out here soon. Uh, Got some movies from Vincent in not too long ago, placed another pre-order, hoping to get 
even more when this uh, sale hits later this month. But just some fantastic releases coming out from them. Watching a lot of movies. Hopefully going to watch John Woo's The Killer next. Uh, that was on that same uh, channel that you shared uh, this film with me with. So it'll be ah, interesting yes. to see that. This was my introduction to John Woo. But we'll talk about that now. Actually, it's this week's film, which I'm excited for. And that is 1992's Hard Boiled. On dark streets where violence consumes everything it touches and the innocent live in fear. Two men dedicated to justice will follow different paths. As one searches for revenge and the other for redemption, fate will bring them together. Now, for those who hide behind the shadow of corruption, only one thing is certain, a day of reckoning is coming. of the killer and Mission Impossible 2. One of the greatest action movies ever made. Hard Boiled Two Disc Ultimate Edition. Look for it on DVD. And that is directed by John Woo! who also did The Young Dragons in 1974, Run, Tiger, Run in 1984, Face Off in 1997, and Manhunt in 2017. Cinematographer Wing Hang Wong, who also did A Better Tomorrow in 1986, Twin Dragons in 1992, Chinese Zodiac in 2012, and Operation Red Sea in 2018. My voice is dialed in today. Music, Michael Gibbs, Secrets 1971, Iron and Silk 1990, Being Human in 1994, and Gregory's Two Girls in 1999. Production Design, Wasang Long, who also did Witch from Nepal in 1986, Bullet in the Head in 1990, Knockoff in 1998, Pavilion of Women in 2001. Costume design, Bruce Yu Kaon and Janet Chun. Special makeup effects, Waifang Chang, who also did Bullet in the Head in 1990, and Shanghai Grand in 1996. Visual effects by Hyun Tai Ting, who also did Return of the Demon in 1987, Out of the Dark in 1995, and Double Tap in 2000. Editing by John Wu, Kate Kit Hua, Jack Ah and David Hu. Budget $4.5 million. United States. Starring Chow Yun-Fat as Inspector Tequila Hien, who also did Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon in 2000, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End in 2007, and City on Fire in 1987. Inspiration for Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. Tony Chai Wai-Lung as Alan, who starred in The Mood for Love in 2000 in 
Infernal Affairs in 2002 in Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings in 2021. Teresa Mo as Teresa Chang, who starred in Men Suddenly in Black 2003, Too Young in 2005, and Tomorrow is Another Day in 2017. Philip Chan as Superintendent Pang, who also was in Bloodsport in 1988, Double Impact in 1991, and Twin Dragons in 1992. Van Damme. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Van Damme. Mm-hmm. Philip Chung Thung Kwok as Mad Dog, who starred in Shaolin Temple in 1976 and Tomorrow Never Dies in 1997. Anthony Chow Sang Huang as Johnny Huang, who starred in Infernal Affairs in 2000, Initial D in 2005, and The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor in 2008. Last but certainly not leastly, Hoi Sang Kwan as Uncle Hoi, who starred in Project A in 1983, Project A2 in 1987, and Casino Tycoon in 1992. Nick, it's your pick. <clears throat> a cop who loses his partner in a shootout with gun smugglers goes on a mission to catch them. In order to get closer to the leaders of the ring, he joins forces with an undercover cop who's working as a gangster hitman. They use all means of excessive force to find them. Awards! Hong Kong Film Awards in 1993. Winner, winner, chicken dinner for best film editing. Boys, let's get physical. Okay, so this week's film has a release from Vivendi Visual Entertainment that dropped December 14th, 2010. Rated R runs 128 minutes and it features a feature length audio commentary by Hong Kong cinema expert Bay Logan, a baptism of fire, a featurette with iconic director John Woo, standard definition that runs 38 minutes and 20 seconds, has the director talking about the American inspirations for hard boiled, including Eastwood and McQueen. Art imitates life, an interview with co star Philip Chan, runs 15 minutes and 17 seconds, has some nice moments about the filming. Mad Dog bites again, an interview with leading villain. Quan Choi that runs 24 minutes and three seconds may in fact feature the second villain of hard-boiled but it's fun to see Choi as a regular guy not a bad guy hard-boiled location guide that runs eight minutes and 28 seconds that features Ki Wong touring Hong Kong audio kittenies 5.1 and 2.0 English 5.1 Dolby Digital subtitles English and Spanish and it's a region free now some things to note about this release it that three of the extras listed on the back insert are nowhere to be found on the disc partner in crime an interview with producer Terrence Chang, Stranglehold Video, Game Mini Making of, and Trailer Gallery are not on the desk. And the print is littered with damage and debris and opticals look pretty bad. So we watched this from another source that Nick found online. We don't mm-hmm. know where the actual video came from, but it's arguably the best looking uh, version of this film out there. I would love to see this film get a proper scan, proper restoration from one of these boutique companies to release in UHD. It needs it. It deserves it. It. You can definitely tell that this film suffers uh, from age and the fact that it doesn't have a restoration uh, in the last 12 years. Yeah. So one of the other sources that I found for it uh, claimed to be from a remastered copy. Um, and then I did also find another release by one of those like boutique places. Um, but not in the US. I don't know if I should. It's not in the US. Uh, actually, it may be. I don't know. It, it, at least from the name of the owner. I, I heard 
I, I saw a lot of people talking about this particular company. Um, a lot of people saying that their release was a proper remaster, that it was like a 2K release, that it was probably the best visually and most feature-rich one what that people could find. It's Hong Kong Rescue. Hong Kong. Um, and then I also found other people saying like, uh, that's technically piracy, that's a bootleg company. Mm-hmm. Some other people were like, well, they have the best version available when you release one, I'll buy it. And then other people going, well, I bought it from them and never got my copy. It appears Ooh. they're having distribution issues or something. And most people seem to agree that even if they aren't particularly doing too great right now, at one point, they were a genuinely good, legit, like boutique, you know, restore uh, retailer mm-hmm. for Hong Kong movies. But that at some point in the last couple of years or so, they dropped off or something. They started having issues with being able to ship things. People didn't get their stuff on time. Some people never got their stuff at all. But I don't know. So that's why I didn't want to include that one. I looked more into it and was like, eh. <laughs> So that's understandable. Yeah. So, boys, what'd you dig up? Oh, the majority of the information that I was able to uh, gather for this film was actually over at Film School Rejects, and they basically sat down watch the film with the audio commentary and just sort of break down um, bits of what the, the film had with uh, the directors and producers. And, and I'll just kick it off by saying that uh, the script initially focused on a villain who was poisoning formula bottles and killing babies. So the cast was signed featuring you know, Tony Lung as the baby-killing psycho. And they, and they filmed the first sequence at the tea house because it was scheduled for demolition, so they only had five days to make use of it. It was only after filming the shootout that Wu and Chang decided to change the entire plot line. So Wu's big concern was it being a bad influence and inspiring copycat baby oh copycat with baby killers. They kept the tea house scene, obviously, but changed up the motivation and plot details that followed, including shifting Lung's character into an undercover cop named Alan. And uh, I got my information, uh, at least the majority of it, from that very commentary as well. Um, I just listened to the commentary myself. Um, so mine will cover most of the same as Brody's. It will just be from a slightly different perspective. Uh, so uh, in that commentary as well, um, we have John Wu actually talking about some of the uh, more difficult and odd moments of shooting that opening scene on the particular location. Um, so as he as he described it, he said it was a very difficult location to shoot because this tea house was located in a bad area. It was a very bad neighborhood. Uh, we had to shoot at night. And so the gunfire sound effects were just so strong and noisy that the neighbors kept complaining to the police uh, and the police came every night to try and stop us from shooting and send us away but what was funny was when they came and they ended up actually seeing me they were very nice to me and they mm-hmm. kept acting like my friends and I guess they loved my movies and they usually let me finish the shoot and they didn't really care about the complaining much. Uh, Wu prefers filming his movies in sequence not just for momentum but also so he knows to make what comes next better so in Hard Boiled he has three major action sequences so filming in sequence lets Wu know that that the warehouse scene has to improve upon the opening tea house scene and that the end hospital shootout needs to top both, which it does. You know, it always interests me when I hear that films are shot like that because it's so rare mm. that things are actually done. You know, traditionally they film the uh, the last scene first. And, and, yeah. it's, and I like the, the theory that it builds momentum with the crew and just like the way it's filmed and stuff. Uh, there's a film called Rituals that was filmed like that uh, about like four or five doctors that go out in the woods and inter- encounter like the backwoods killer. So 
We also have that Wu really actually has no interest in the triads or other gangsters, um, and that he only really uses them because he considers them to be colorful characters uh, that allow him ways to expand on his preferred themes of friendship and loyalty. Despite this, Wu was criticized for his earlier films as supposedly glamorizing the criminal elements, uh, and that's part of why he focused this feature on the police. We have a uh, film critic, Dave Kerr. He uh, describes the use of violence in John Wu's films by stating, I think the mistake a lot of people make is in assuming that there is one kind of violence in movies, and that is very far from the truth. There are dozens and dozens of different ways in filming violence and treating violence and thinking about what they can mean in the context of a story. I think in John's films, violence is immediately very physical, very rhythmic, intense. It has that effect of putting you in another physical place and is also standing in for the very intense emotional relationships between the characters, violence that becomes a way these men have of relating to each other. So the face-off between Alan and his elder in the warehouse led to some debate uh, as Wu insisted that Alan shows some tears after having to kill the old man. It's emotion in an action beat that could arguably give a character's truth away. But again, he says he doesn't care about logic in a sequence. I will note on that later as well. They shot two versions, one with tears and one without, and Wu kept the latter. Very nice. So the warehouse shootout was originally supposed to be two set pieces as the back half was going to take place on a cliff outside the warehouse. The killer and Alan were meant to have their face off there but we was unable to find a suitable location the scene would have seen to kill almost fall only to be saved by alan but they instead shifted it to alan declining to shoot to kill her in the head. So we have Wu talking about his particular style of storytelling and filmmaking, saying, you know, when I'm shooting, I'm crazy. Um, I see no one. I only care about the project. I don't care about right or wrong, and I don't care about logic. Logic usually is very boring. So that's why when I'm shooting, I do what I feel. I'm free and open. I have never cared about censorship, and I've never cared about the length of a scene. When I feel right, and I feel good, I will go for and do the whole scene until it satisfies me. So apparently Terence Chang, the producer, doesn't have much connection with Hong Kong gangs, but he does point out how come it is, but he does point out how come it is having to pay gangsters and hoodlums for protection while shooting in public locations. He says that you pay one gang to keep the others away from your production, but it's gotten worse over the years. The film saw gang members come to them, to the real tea house and the hospital set, and ask for money. And you just got to pay them off. All of them. Damn. So, the shot with tequila running towards the camera with the baby in his arms and the explosions <laughs> at his back uh, was shot twice as Wu wasn't happy with the first take. The explosions were too far behind Chow. So for the second take, he took control of the explosives button per Chang, and set it off far closer than Chow was expecting. He was really running for his life. Chow apparently was professional <laughs> enough to ask how it looked after the shot was finished. Then he just turns around and says, that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking A. Gotta get the shot. John Wu describes his process for creating the characters in his films. He's quoted saying, when I'm, when I'm working on every one of my movies, I put myself into the character. If I'm shooting a killer 
killer, then I will portray myself as a killer. If I'm shooting a junkie, then I live like a junkie. Or if I'm shooting a soldier, then I live like a soldier. That's the only way to get the true feeling about a character and in my mind, in my head. There's an overlap and dissolve into every different kind of character, so that's why I use a lot of dissolve and freeze frame techniques on montage shots. So, the script apparently originally called for Alan to die in the end, preferably in a self-sacrificial way. But the film's producers, along with Chow, convinced Wu that the character should live to, quote, create more hope and be more positive. Wu was a hard sell, but he decided to shoot the epilogue, revealing the character's true fate. And finally, we have Mad Dog, who is played by Philip Kwok, who also served as the film's actions coordinator. He was an action star in his own right back in the 70s, Wu added, and the character as Johnny Wong, sidekick, as Wong is a good actor, but his image is so weak. Quok's mad dog offers a balance to that. Before we get to the next part, because uh, TJ, I saw you you took it out, which is fine, but I wanted to let Brody know. Uh, so one of the editors, uh, David Wu, um, how this movie won like the Hong Kong Film Award for Best Editing, he has won like 12 Hong Kong Film Awards for editing. And you know what movie he went on to edit? Like, Later in the 90s. Is it a film we've done? Uh, it's not a film we've done, but it's one you definitely know. Oh, this would be like a romance or something. No. Nope. Can you give me a hint? When when you real when he tells you, you'll be like, oh my god, the editing makes sense now. <laughs> oh, so, all right, so it's quick pace action fucking something. Um yeah, no, nah, lay it on me. It's it's bright of Chucky. Of course. <laughs> Think of the scenes in our trailer. I was about to say, yeah. you know, those early scenes in the start of the fucking film. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure sense. how to include it. Slow, like- slow montage reveals and shit. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure how to include it because David was the only other person who's really done any other editing out of the four people who edited this movie. That's that's Ronnie Yu that directed that, wasn't it? Yeah, same guy did Freddy vs. Jason. So, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. <laughs> Where are we? <laughs> we're, at, we're at Taco about it. We're done. Just before we okay. went to it, I wanted, I wanted to I lay that on. So. But <laughs> let's talk about it! <laughs> Okay, favorite performance of the film. So, Tequila's fucking awesome, but what's his partner's name? Kind of partner? Alan? Uh, it, yeah, Alan is the undercover cop. Yeah. He did pretty fucking good. I like uh, I like the way he conducts himself in this film. I think it's uh, it, it's cold when it needs to be, and it's heartfelt when it needs to be. It's it, it's cool. But also, the same could be said about Tequila, but I'll let you boys talk more about that. Alan definitely does a good job, especially in the uh, hotel shootout. He redeems himself there and everything. It's pretty fucking sweet. Origami's cool, too. Origami is pretty cool. Yeah, I really like uh, when it comes to Alan, like, you, you kind of see really how much he's, he's trying to keep a hold of himself as a cop while he's still trying to to not blow his cover, which is requiring him to do some pretty awful shit. Like, whenever he kills, uh, what's, Uncle Uncle Hoy, mm-hmm. uh, the old man that he betrays as, as switching <laughs> over to Johnny's, and then proceeds to mow down all of the oh, guy's yeah. ass, like, and it, it and he just kind of starts, like, blurring those lines, and when he goes to meet, um, I believe it, it's Superintendent Pang, is his, uh, like, handler, uh, when they're, like, on the bridge, you know, and he's like, I'm sorry, uh, I've been a gangster for so long, I keep forgetting getting that i'm a cop this like, definitely really, had to influence the departed 
100%. I'm glad you said that because I was going to if you didn't. I got the hardcore <laughs> vibes of that the entire time. And mm-hmm. I one would argue, I think we see more character progression in Alan's character than we do Tequila's. Yeah. Especially at the end. Because I think Tequila learns to accept a part of himself, I think, from it. You know, whenever he's with Alan at the end um, during the hospital sequence, it's spoiler alert, when, when Alan accidentally gets a little trigger happy and he kills the other cop coming out of the elevator, which like he's in plain clothes the same as everyone else yeah. is and he's getting jumped by people left and right and he ends up shooting him and then starts losing his shit and Tequila's like, look, back in that tea house, dude, I killed a cop too. Like it, it happens. We're in the, we're basically in a war right now. And like he's talking to Alan, but he's just kind of accepting more of himself. I think mm-hmm. that's more of his character progression really is just kind of coming to grips with There's himself. There's a lot of conflict like, with him. Like, in yeah, general. right. Whereas like Alan goes like so much farther with his, I think, honestly. Um, just in that, you know, Tequila isn't undercover this entire time and having to hide who he is and everything. He is who he is the entire movie and he's got that sort of sense of Super control calm. that like, grip on things. Yeah, exactly. Bronson. Yeah, no, uh, I I think I had to go with uh fucking for me Mad Dog. Um mm. as soon as as soon as I saw him I was like this motherfucker ain't going to take shit from no cunt. So I mean, he's a missing Mortal Kombat character. He he pretty much is. Oh, yeah. he, he's probably <laughs> fucking Liu Kang's dad. Um <laughs> He has his own pretty good character progression as well, I think. Oh, and, and that, that's what I mean. He th- there's a scene in it where, well, there's a couple of scenes where he shows this human emotion that he still has something, even though he's a hired hitman that's just cold. He draws the lines at civilians. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, he has morals, and that's he still shows his little like this human emotional side uh, element that he has deep down, which is really cool to see because I thought he was going to get that. Oh, well, going to get that um bit of a character arc, like a little bit mm-hmm. of a. Twist on it where he ends up helping the cops near the end, but I'm I'm kind of glad they didn't do that because it was leading in that direction, and then they just sort of you know no we'll just kill him, have that played out like that. But I mean he's he takes on these two lead motherfuckers with one eye. Yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. Absolutely oh, does his tequila no smack him in the eye during their fight? I think it's in the warehouse scene um, where he loses his eye. I can't remember how though. I don't know if he gets no shot like after or, it is like during the hospital. Does tequila punch oh, him in the eye? Like no. The Alan, that, Alan, Alan punches him in the eye that's missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets all bloody. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Alan like grabs him by the throat as well, and he just like laughs at him. He's like, yeah. You wait, yeah. Fuck. And he's so he's, this, oh, I don't know. He's just got a really staunch presence about him, and the character that is, it's like an iconic character to an extent if you think about it. Like the mm-hmm. way he looks with his eye patch and half dude face. He does super villain shit, like him hiding in the rafters with the chains. Like, come yeah. on, man. Yeah. It's- and just like you could see how cold he is too the way he takes out Foxy Mm -hmm. like before like just you know scalpeling his his throat and then just shoving him down the like the body chute to the morgue Mm -hmm. and then going to peace out but then at the same time you know that's the same body chute that they throw the C4 down later right no he shoots he shoots the cover off of a vent and then chucks the C4 down that okay yeah I was about to mention uh, one of his kills but I'll leave that for favorite speaking of that if he was a Mortal Kombat character what his finisher be he just pulls out that silenced Uzi from his jacket and just litters you full of bullets and then you just fall over like is that it <laughs> he'll, he'll come out on his motorbike and run you over pretty yeah. much and no, just, it's how many times motorbike. how many times does he just clean a room out with that fucking Uzi just oh, never reloads just brrr. Every time he brings out the silenced Uzi, all I can think of is uh, Vincent Vega forgetting his, his Uzi <laughs> on the counter and then butch lighting him up. 
<laughs> at the apartment, which as much as I know that Tarantino fucking loves John Woo movies, mm-hmm. I guarantee you that Uzi had something to do with the Uzi being in Pulp Fiction. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, yeah. Our fourth host has joined us. He's just off camera to the right. Hey, Mox. He's not feeling the, the best. He has an ear infection Aww. right now that we're nursing back. But uh, we played around earlier, and I'd say his uh, stamina and energy levels are still there. So Weird, because I, I was over there, and he was the calmest, most just chill... <laughs> He, all he did was sleep the entire time. <laughs> so I was at the house. He didn't. If you guys can't t- tell the intense sarcasm in Nick's voice. <laughs> He was on them like butter on toast, and it was funny. <laughs> he almost he almost flattened Ryan when we walked. That was so funny. <laughs> Fucking eight. So, boys, this film is set piece heaven. But one of oh. my biggest takeaways is is we need more fight scenes in morgues because that is badass. <laughs> mm-hmm. That fucking just the rolling him on the on the stretcher and then doing like the flip up and even when they him first the... go in there, that fucking martial arts shit with them just kicking people oh, yeah. over the fucking dead bodies and shit it's like yeah and i love how uh tequila as he opens the things i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) i I love it i love the little like shit talking that they do to each other as well during it because you know he pushes the uh the roller or whatever the gurney i guess it is uh Uh with alan into the guy who flips up and kills him and he's like ah you see what i did that was pretty cool and he was like well yeah you could see for yours i was under a damn sheet and i still killed that guy (laughs) like (laughs) is this one shot that I took away from that scene actually and it's like when they come back out of the morgue when they come through the uh, the body uh, little fucking uh, fridge bit mm-hmm. you can see there's a light shining behind them as they come out so it's like they're, they're reborn again bro uh, it's like, yeah. it's like yeah, the uh, it's, it's like the Hellraiser it's like the Hellraiser when the Cenobites come and the, the light shine through the wood <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and then they come out and just do this like right you motherfuckers <laughs> <are> <laughs> yeah. back to life so I thought that was pretty cool. And we have to mention, how many times do we see the, the hot fuzz mention of the super cop stance where we run, yeah. jump, and pop, 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 pop. <laughs> oh, it's so, so good. It's so good. I love it. Right, man, I can't wait for two. I When he said super cop, I fucking lost it. I fucking lost it. Like, super cop. The cop that can't be stopped. And I know that's Jackie Chan, and I know that's a completely oh, different yeah. film, but that's immediately where my mind went. And, yeah. Like, a lot of people in this have worked with, um, with Jackie Chan as well uh, in, in his films. Uh, Project A, uh, Uncle Hoy, um, the actor who played Uncle Hoy, Project A and Project A2 are both Jackie Chan films. And uh, how cool is the underground layer? We never see places with, <sighs> with like with like grading systems underneath other than an alien. And it's so yeah. cool. It looks that corrugated so good. Metal, yes. Like, yeah, it's really sweet. <laughs> that whole, I just love the entire concept of he's built a fucking Did they do that on Mythbusters? That bullet thing? The bullet thing? Where oh, he the, the shooting the back yeah. of the bullet to set it off inside the pipe? I think they did. I feel like they did at some point. That'd probably be a cam question, but like... Probably, yeah. That man has a love for Adam <laughs> Savage that knows no bounds. <laughs> I, I think so. Um, if it wasn't shooting a bullet, I definitely know they've done several things with like how to, to strike like the yeah, primer he, on a But cartridge. he goes hardcore MacGyver 
in a couple scenes after that. It's oh yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it's I love him doing at the end when there he's having the standoff and he has the like flashback in his head to shooting that bullet and I'm, it's the build up to it. I love like, the yes. warehouse set <laughs> yes. too because like you can oh, yeah. clearly tell that's just a stage that they put walls up in to like have fun. Yeah, and there's just dudes fucking filtering in just fucking explosions. It's awesome. It's, it's mayhem. The set piece design in this film is absolutely fantastic. And I love, not to mention, the dock sequence that goes into the warehouse. Like, it, you can't see any water or anything, but just the way it's framed and everything, it's just so dark and stuff. It almost feels like like it's a comic book going into that. It's just really cool. I love it. Brody? So, oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I Well, I originally had the morgue and warehouse yeah. on mine. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we get 30 fucking minutes of a warehouse shootout scene that does not stop from the word go. I mean, what more could we fucking sure. want? I mean, just the lighting in that scene itself is absolutely exquisite with the blue palette, color palette. It's just, I don't, I don't know, it's just the weights and then the flames and the cars exploding, lighting it up with that blue and yellow. I, it just looks fucking sick. And all the smoke and everything filtering through with the light, just the oh, rain. He's yeah. coming in from the skylight when tequila's like chucking the fucking tear gas and smoke grenades and everything in. And it's just, ah. Uh, Organized it's chaos. It's good shit. It's so good. Uh, I, I think, think for mine, hmm, I'm, I'm probably, uh, damn it. I'm, I'm going to have to go with the, the vault. Yeah. I'm going to have to go with the armory. How many times in a movie do you see just, yeah, this rich mob boss built a fucking giant vault armory under just a functioning general hospital just above it. But like, you go in, you go into the morgue and you just move a little. By the end, you completely forget that the whole purpose of this is to acquire guns to sell to another country to create war. Yeah, it's just gun smuggling. And all like, it is, the is first the hour, the first hour, that's all it it is and then it's like let's just throw about 30 fucking twists in the story from here on it's, out for the rest hour and it's the last hour and it's just fucked but i love it <laughs> but it's still it's still easy to follow how like, many twists the in the twist. warehouse scene alone i know <laughs> right and it's, it's i like, know oh my god there's like at least four man it's like i'm betraying you for johnny fine then kill me but let my men go and he kills both of them but then and you're like man this is a cold motherfucker and then immediately but he's an undercover cop and just when you think it's over tequila shows up shit yeah it just keeps going it just keeps going it's so beautiful <laughs> so favorite scene and shot i would have to say that diner sequence would most totally inspire the jason goes to hell diner shootout uh adam marcus good friend of mine house? yes the tea house oh, that okay. would almost have to inspire jason goes to hell i yeah i mean this came out 92 adam was mm -hmm. filming 92 if he saw this fucking movie and was like i gotta do a slow-mo shootout motherfucker he does a slow-mo shootout <laughs> oh yeah and <laughs> as soon as they jumped over the uh that bar i was like oh damn motherfucker mm -hmm. yeah it's i love i love that stuff but cool shot uh the point of view shot on top of the cop car ah the, the siren with the siren about i yeah. love how that kind of just like oh here comes the cops without showing you the cops it's such oh, yeah. a cool way to show you it builds suspense of them getting closer it's it's really cool uh i love uh those pan through shots of them attacking the armory super mm -hmm. fucking cool and then some of that hospital stuff when they're cleaning out some of the, uh, the the levels of the hospital as they're battling their way through saving patients. Super fucking cool. It's almost like steady cam footage, you know? A bit. Yeah. Mm. Any boys? Uh, huh? Yeah. Oh, fuck, man. There's so many to fucking choose from in this film. Um, I think the two that really stuck out with me uh, was the warehouse scene where Tequila and Alan in the standoff with the smoke that surrounds them. I thought that was a pretty cool mm. fucking scene. Um, just because it really shows the two characters and 
what they really are in the moment. Um, and yeah, I mean, the one take shootout scene in the hospital near the end was pretty cool. The way you would have to block that whole fucking scene out. So they I go know. from one story to the elevator up to the next story. And just to think if you're behind the camera and you're just hoping that one of these actors does not fucking fuck the scene up, you know, you, they're just waiting. They're just waiting. You're waiting. Yeah. So it's some, it's some powerful shit with a little bit of a twist on it. I like it. Um, I mean, honorable mentions to fucking mad dog and his biker crew driving to the warehouse i thought those shots yeah. were really cool with that <laughs> that was a that, good one yeah um even mad dogs yeah throat slit and then the cutaway to the blood splatter on the glass that was a little cool homage yeah. to like a serial killer fucking film um, the uh doctors operating or the nurse like just giving meds to a patient you see just the blood splatter on the window behind her yeah that was that was really that was really cool i don't know there was so many in this fucking film to choose from and like i mean it's a non-stop quick pace film so it's kind of hard to try and think of one what about you slick nick yeah I mean, I mean you are right this movie starts and it does not stop no it, there are some some quieter moments usually surrounding tequila and do, 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 uh Oh God, Ellen! Oh, uh, Teresa Chang. There you uh, go. His girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the flower sequence. Yes. Which, and even then, that was pretty cool. Like, just to find out, you know, that all those flowers and everything she was receiving was just tip-offs from Alan. Especially piecing that together at the end with like he, he brings the white roses into the hospital, concealing the gun as he's supposed to go quote unquote kill Foxy, and then her noticing that and it just coming together and it snapping in her head. She's like, "Oh shit." <laughs> that's my informant yeah. and then like realizing everything was just really cool so like even when the movie's in its slow parts everything has its meaning um and it, it no no amount of screen time is wasted which is amazing that he's able to pull it off in two hours with three major action set pieces i do have to mention oh. the uh the swat ninjas before yes. uh, we get too far uh those are fucking awesome and they save babies <laughs> they do save babies yes they wrap babies in flak jackets and put them out the window. That was, so, I loved that part so much. I was like, oh my God, they're wrapping them in the flak. That's amazing. <laughs> also, I forgot to mention tequila in the baby scene. Yeah. He's on fire and the baby pisses on him to put the fire out. That was, really, that was a cool moment. Yeah, I love you, little piss pot. Thank you. <laughs> so good. Uh, but so as for scene, that was going to be pretty difficult for me. I, I said this to TJ earlier because I, I have held this since the first time I've ever watched this movie. The hospital sequence in its entirety from the moment they get there to the end of the movie is my favorite sequence of action scenes in any action movie I have ever seen in my entire life. Um, th it, This is one of my favorite action movies, period, ever because of just all of the sequences from the hospital. It's insane. Um, it's incredible. Every time you think, okay, they, they've gotten crazy enough. There's no way they can top it. They do. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's just unexpected enough that it's nice like it's just like, oh shit <laughs> it's getting better it's getting better it's getting crazier how uh until you get to the end and it's like that was fantastic i'm so glad i watched that mm -hmm. um i think for shot it is you mentioned tequila rescuing that final baby when he takes the bullet in the shoulder um before yeah. you know it, murdering everything within a 10 foot radius except for the the baby in his arms uh, and it has that shot of the baby there and him wiping yeah. his own blood off of its face is probably my 
my favorite shot of the film, just because it shows the stakes of everything that's happening. It reestablishes all of that. It kind of grounds you for a second because it is like immediately following him capping like six people through walls and filing cabinets while getting shot at and all of that. And it stops for just a second before it goes, okay, oh, also the building's exploding. Now we got to get back out of here and it picks right <laughs> back up. <laughs> like, but it's just a really cool, quiet little moment with a really great shot. Um, as for scene, like I said, I don't think I can probably pick one out of all of the hospital shots uh, or scenes. Sorry. Um, I, I do think it is probably the hallway um, shoot out the initial one uh, going through the elevator. They, they get that respite, they go up and then immediately gets back into it. Like as Brody said, with the blocking and everything, it's insane how well the shooting choreography is that it's okay. Tequila, then Alan, then tequila covers Alan and they each cover each other. And it's, it makes it more believable that they're actually making it through all of these guys that are just coming at them down this hallway. But yeah, all right. I've taken enough time on that answer. <laughs> I've already said mine. Okay. So, favorite effect or death? I'll start mine off. I really like that scene when uh, Homeboy gets shot in the back with a shotgun. Comes out of nowhere. and which one? Whenever they're on the boat, on the he's, boat? he's literally just oh, chilling man. on his boat. And he's just That's like- Alan. Yeah, Alan just gets fucking yeah. blasted in the back and just keeps fucking going. As soon as that happens, he lunges forward, punches a fucking hole in his wall, grabs a gun out of his fucking wall, and starts yeah. firing. He's fucking oh, ready, God. man. And nothing's going to stop <laughs> Alan. And then he's just- Okay, could you guys live on a boat? I could live on a fucking boat, especially if it's fucking like that. That is sick. That sick-ass yacht that he's got. It's yeah. See, I, I, yeah, so I thought, I was like, nah, surely that's not Alan, because he just had his back fucking shredded. Yeah. Kind of be pissing blood for weeks. And then all of a sudden, he's got up, he's killed like five blokes, and then, yeah. I, it's amazing. I didn't it, was him. it is, it's pretty Dude, it's, it's good. Dude, it's tequila. Pulls his fucking gun immediately. No fucking hesitation. And just starts firing shots into the fucking porthole. Just bang, mm-hmm. bang, 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 bang. Shoots the guy in the fucking eye. Like, come on, man. It's so cool, dude. <laughs> this whole fucking movie is so cool. <laughs> the best way to describe this movie is like, and then they started blasted. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, started blasting. Squid City. It is. Oh, yeah. And explosions. Dude, the blast radius of shotguns in this. Insane. Oh, yeah. They pepper Everything a whole explodes. room. Everything explodes. Oh, it's Dragon's I, Breath. Everything's Dragon's Breath here. Oh, yeah. Like, when it, I also love it. You Usually with shotguns in a movie or something, you usually see like one person get blown away or something uh-huh. and it never really accounts for the spread other than one person usually getting demolished. But when he's, uh, when Alan is leading Tequila into the big main room where they have all just and they, they do the whole like, get down and they throw everybody down and he slides forward and pulls the shotgun up and then blasts three people away at <laughs> once with one shotgun. Th- it's so awesome, dude. It just, it's so cool. And I'm yeah, so glad that finally there was a movie that did that, that actually showed hey there's spread to it <laughs> it'll take out like yeah. a few people i was actually gonna say the same thing that's probably the one thing i picked up on it was yeah the shotgun blast it's probably the best in any other film because they don't really show it not like this like they really yeah. fucking like yank the stuntmen back for this shit and show you their guts coming out i went with mad dog how he slides his motorbike on the fucking ground to not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then to pop up and blast the fuck out of five men yep with his gun holy fuck that was suave I was like, God damn. God damn, that was fucking badass. I will give an honorable mention to the biker that jumps his motorbike into someone on the back of a truck. Yeah. I literally fucking pissed myself laughing at that How about the dude that throws himself through the fucking plate glass window during the hospital? Yeah. Yeah. He literally runs up on the fucking shelf and then gets shot. I'll just jump through. 
The uh, okay, I ah oh, man, so. I wasn't sure to pick either Johnny at the end um, for the final kill of the movie when Tequila fuck it does the the Clint Eastwood quick draw on him and shoots uh-huh. him in the eye and you watch his eyeball like explode like from the the side the profile shot and you just watch his eye go out uh-huh. or it and it's just a random one of the triads running into it, it was probably during one of the hallway sequences I think but it's he comes in and it's he immediately gets just blasted with like I think it's just a one single pistol shot to his chest but he lands sideways smashing his head through like a bench and you see the giant wood shard going through his (laughs) neck afterwards yeah i'm glad you fucking said that (laughs) that was like i saw that and i was like god this movie is fucking great (laughs) and they showered for fuck all like they really don't elaborate on it they only quickly give it to you it feels realistic it's like fuck fuck that kill we're moving on to the next kill i got it and i mean Immediately, just think of the, the the splinter from the the fucking uh, zombie, uh, the the closet from zombie going into the. I, oh. And to elaborate on that just a little bit more, after that scene when um, Tequila has the baby, he kicks the fucking door into someone's head, and the glass actually smashes into their neck, mm-hmm. cutting yes. their throat, and then he fucking shoots them. I was like, that is yeah. fucking awesome. He does a lot of gnarly murders when he has the baby. It's like yeah, hyper focused. He, he is super cop, and I really love cop. that <laughs> just because he's got the cotton. In the baby's ears, the uh-huh. baby's smiling and laughing as he's just blasting. Go to go to go go go. Murdering Hey Nick, do, does yeah. other John Woo films have such heavy saxophone throughout the film? Um, a couple. Uh, I mean, he has alluded to it uh, a few times because I think uh, Hard Boiled Two never came to fruition as a film. It was actually supposed to be a video game. Um, and so he's kind of had most of his spiritual successors to this as films as well. I think mm. this was actually his last uh, film in the Hong Kong market before moving to Hollywood. Oh. This was like his breakout film. Okay. Um, so uh, Target was his next. Film. Yes. So uh, it's probably, I think, if I'm correct, it's a bit more prevalent in his earlier stuff because John Woo just really likes jazz. Uh-huh. Um, but he has made sort of allusions to Hard Boiled, I think, with the music and stuff in his later films. It's just they're more, they're bigger budget, they're more Americanized because he moved to Hollywood after this. It movie. creates almost like a noir feel at certain times with oh, it, yeah. uh, especially the slower scenes. I think it works best with the uh, the, the funeral sequence with saxophone mm-hmm. playing over. It just makes you feel for the characters a little bit more because they were in a band together. Like, like he, he and his partner played music together, and that was kind of like the establishment of their relationship before his partner gets absolutely blasted a billion times in a tea house immediately afterwards. <laughs> so. so, thoughts on story, guys? I think it's paced pretty fucking well, especially for a two-hour film. And like we said, there's there's kind of uh, Departed definitely took some influences <laughs> from this, and the, the first hour is definitely focused more on what the gun running aspect than. All yeah. the twists is the last hour. All the twists and turns and the revealing of what's actually going on. It's it's definitely interesting. Uh, I have to admit that Hong Kong cinema is a blind spot of mine. Most of my knowledge, as you folks know, is probably in exploitation in Italian films. I don't know fuck all about uh, <laughs> Hong Kong cinema. That's Nick's stuff. But it's, like it. it's pretty interesting to say the least. I love how it just never lets up and it's just full throttle from uh, hit play. Nick? 
Brody? Uh, well, um, yeah, I mean, so it is a cop story. It is a police tale through and through yeah. um, from start to finish, while also being the most balls to the wall, action packed, just sequence of events you can imagine. Um, and TJ is right. The first hour, which oddly enough, the first hour, I think, has like two of the three main action sequences, the action set pieces, the tea house, the warehouse, and then there's the hospital. Um, Because the hospital sequence takes up, I, I, I genuinely, I think it's like 20 to 25, even possibly 30 minutes of the film. It takes up like a quarter of it by itself. And yet the first half of the movie the first hour feels slower than the second half even though it probably it has twice the amount of action sequences and i think it's because it has that sort of police procedural respite sort of somewhat a third of the way towards a half of the way into the film um where you get the sequences with tequila's girlfriend with Teresa, uh and just sort of how they're discovering the location of the hospital, the armory, and they're just, they're getting closer to Nab and Johnny, um, and just all of that. But even when the film slows down, because I, I genuinely feel like you'd just be out of breath watching it if it was the tea house, then the warehouse, then the hospital, and there's no, there's no break in between. There's nothing to sort of establish as a contrast to it if it was just completely going through. Yeah, it got me um, pretty sweaty watching it. Yeah. Um, so like, I genuinely think think the way that the story is paced is incredible um i've never seen another director pace their films the way that john woo does um and yeah i mean like you mentioned earlier it, it's an extremely way more action-packed hong kong departed mm -hmm. and i still hold that the departed is my favorite film of all time Ooh. so it <laughs> like uh it, it genuinely i could rewatch that movie every day for the rest of my life never get tired of it but this movie i i don't really know what else to say and, and like in regards to that that's uh brody what what are your thoughts? I mean, you two pretty much hit the nail on the head. Um, I mean, look, I, I fucking enjoyed it. I love the body cop duo aspect about this one. And it's more so that the really, they, they really play out with a serious tone between the two and it makes their relationship work even more. And it's like the first hour. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's just a really good, um, way of building up these character, um, really good way of building up character development. Um, and setting a great story to lead into a fantastic last hour. So yeah, it's, it's, um, I mean, yeah, nonstop action, very stylish for a fucking Hong Kong film. And I mean, I've got to hand it to the stunt work. Uh, the blocking oh, of yeah. the actors, like I said, uh, like just works so fucking well in this film. It's just fantastic. I mean, yeah, like I said, what more can I say about this film that you two haven't already elaborated on? I agree with you completely. Through our answers there, we kind of touched on impacted takeaways already. Uh, I, yeah. Because of this, I definitely want to go visit more John Woo stuff. Like I said early in the podcast, I'm definitely planning on watching The Killer. And I've already seen Face Off, I guess. So I have seen a John Woo film mm -hmm. before. Didn't realize that. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to dive deep into Hong Kong cinema. Hopefully you pick more in the future, especially after you hear my rating on this. Uh, it might hype you up a little bit. Look, I'm getting all excited over there. Oh, uh, <laughs> it's happening. It's <laughs> crowding, folks. But uh, yeah, super cool. John Wu is uh, two thumbs up from me, and I hope that we get to explore.
explore more of his stuff in the future. And I loved how uh, I watched this and see how it influenced some of my favorite uh, films and directors out there. Brody? Yeah. Um, I'll just, I'll, the one thing I actually really like um, took away from this film is that this film has more action in than in the first hour than most any other action films entirely throughout. It's Why just, have one gun when you can have two? Exactly. <laughs> two. I, I love that Plus line too. Another two. <laughs> give a cop, uh, give a cop a gun. He's Superman. Give him two. He's a god. That he tells <laughs> tequila. After he Dude, just shit like that. I'm like, man, I love this movie so cool. <laughs> and the and the other thing about this film is that they don't heavily rely on martial arts. It is just they solve their problems with guns. It's and there. It. it is there. It's there. It, it, it is, but it's not in it's your a predi- face. Like- it's a predecessor to getting blasted with bullets. That's all. Yes. It is. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's a shoot 'em up film. It's not quite uh, the gun kata of Equilibrium, where they're smacking guns away from each other's hands while yeah. they're also holding gun. Like it's not that ridiculous yeah <laughs> it, it just felt something different for a foreign film like this um uh-huh you know because a lot of them you know obviously like just like what nick said you martial arts bring into it and all that sort of stuff but i mean um the raid comes to mind as um, one yeah, for that it's an indonesian yeah. movie it's not hong kong but it does that similarly it's a swat team but they use a lot of martial arts at the same time instead of actual gunplay yeah you get and, and you can definitely tell there are a few scenes in this that helped um inspire hard target obviously that would come out the following year so you know um yeah fucking fantastic film great fucking film and i'm actually thinking about exploring it the hong kong film genre a bit like mr bowser himself and suss out is it the killer i did see that somewhere mm. is is that the killer yeah, yeah i would also recommend it's another chow yun fat uh film so it's tequila again um Oh, true. I mean, it's not the character of Tequila, but it's another Chow Yun Fat film, uh, and it was mentioned in here earlier, City on Fire, um, that is about a jewelry-robbing gang uh, that did go on to inspire Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. Um, came mm. out a couple years before it. I think City on Fire is 88 or 9, um, but I would I would highly recommend that film as well. Nice. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, it's easy to see the impact uh, that this had on action cinema, um, especially stuff coming out of Eastern Asia, uh, action films like i mentioned the raid indonesia uh, japan things like that later on as well as just kind of cinema in general because you know john woo came to america um, moved over and started doing hollywood films after this film directly as Brody mentioned hard target was next um, we've already talked about how it, it's very reminiscent of the departed um with its undercover story with you know you got moles in the police force undercover cops in the triads all of that um so you can definitely see how it's gone on to influence that as well um, another one that I mentioned earlier to TJ before we recorded, uh, I don't think that the Matrix series would have been quite the way it was when it started yeah. later on at the end of this decade if Hard Boiled had not come out. I don't think that that lobby shootout scene from the first Matrix movie, which is also one of my favorite action sequences. What's the twins uh, names that made the, the Matrix same? films? The Wachowskis. Yeah. Um, which I believe the Wachowskis actually have cited John Woo as... Mm. Uh, as influences for it. And I mentioned Equilibrium a little bit ago with the Gun Kata stuff. That was Christian Bale? Yep. Uh, would yeah. you say that the John Wick series takes inspiration from this? Probably. Um... I, I would say I would say so. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think I've heard the creators' films mention it, but I would not be surprised if they were influenced by it. And hell, I fucking love the John Wick movies as well. Ready? Well, that well that director was a stunt guy on the Matrix for Keanu Reeves. Uh, sorry, yeah, the director, yeah. So oh, oh yeah, okay. So just by the okay. nature of progression from how action films Snowballs. were after this, yeah. Um, 
And I mean, yeah, it, it, it plus just culture in general um, was influenced after this. I mean, uh, just with like games and stuff, too. Mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, uh, Stranglehold that came out it was a 360 game from like the mid 2000s or something. The really, really, really fun. It's literally a sequel to this. You play as tequila in that game. And as I boiled Two was supposed to be a video game just called Hard Boiled Two, but it never came to fruition in the end, which saddens me. <laughs> Yeah, like I told you pre-show, the whole time I was just like, man, I want to play the Yakuza games now. Mm-hmm. And it's, I just wanted to play the martial arts, ass-kicking Japanese yeah. mobster stuff. But you guys want to rate this? Yeah. I am down to rate this. Okay, so this week's rating is insane Japanese mob bosses with C4 trying to blow up a hospital full of babies out of five. Nick, start us off. I am starting us off at a 4.6. Brody? Uh, I'll go a 4.4. I'm going to give it a four. I did it! Is an LCE score of 4.3 out of five insane Japanese mob bosses with C4 trying to blow up a hospital full of babies out of five. Four. Hard boiled from 1992. John. Woo! What's next episode, Brody? Um... That would be a good question. Uh, I got it. Hold I was going to say, I don't think we've done, because we did chop up, oh, we did no. this. So. It's Snake Eater 2, the drug buster. Lorenzo. <laughs> <laughs> Monsieur Lamas. Soldier! Yes, I can't wait to see Lorenzo's gorgeous face again. I, I do have to say, I did get some uh, acknowledgement and some interaction with Casper Van Dien uh, this oh. week, and that uh, blew yeah. my mind. Johnny Rico approved cool. of my liking and review of his Salvage Marines show that just ca- uh, came out. Nice. Nice. It's uh, pretty good yeah. if you uh, like Starship Troopers. Give it a uh, give it a watch. Actually, this film had the same problem as Starship Troopers. They don't reload. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mentioned that earlier when I told you I was like, oh by the, I was like, I was like, there's about one reload for every hundred thousand rounds they fire. And well, by the way, <laughs> fuck it, eh? So yeah, that was a fun episode. Thank you for uh, sharing some Hong Kong cinema with us, Nick. Can't wait to Anytime. do more in the future. Can't wait to do next week's episode. It was a pleasure talking film with my boys once again, and I can't wait to talk. To you guys next week about Snake Eater 2. But mm-hmm. this is the pod boss, TJ Bowser, signing off. It's DKB saying, I'll catch you by the liquors next week. Cheers, gentlemen. Slick Nick signing out. Thank you for our journey to the Far East this week. Mm-hmm.